Magalhaes to Stokes, who's onside. Wonder. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Saints FC podcast. Uh, it is I, John Bailey. I'm back. Um, I'm sat next to my brother, James Bailey. Hello. James, hello. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Um, we're back together in Bath, where we grew up, um, and we're just going to do a very, very quick uh, version of the podcast to have a look at the West Ham United game, which we were both at yesterday evening. Um so, I think we were all heading there. That was that was my Christmas present to go to West Ham United. It was my dad's birthday present. We were all pretty excited. And I think we were all expecting a win for once, which wasn't necessarily the case a, a little while back. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I think um, the last two wins on the bounce and the new manager coming in and the just wholly improved performances the the two games before the West Ham one. I think, yeah, I went there expecting us to win. I think I said 3-1 before the match. Um, obviously, it didn't happen, but, uh, you know. Yeah, I went for 3-2 to, to Saints. So um, I got one of the scorelines correct in the fact that West Ham would score two goals. Um, but, I mean, I, overall, it was quite a disappointing performance. And there were quite a lot of things that were evident about why Saints didn't win the game. Um, you know, from the start of the game... The team lineup was pretty much as we expected, with Hoiberg um, being out injured. You know, Lamina seemed a clear kind of obvious person to bring in for the replacement. Uh, the BBC had hinted that Michael Obafemi was going to be starting, um, and in actual fact, he wasn't even on the bench. So we're presuming that he was injured uh, for yesterday's fixture. I haven't heard anything about that. Um, and I don't know. I, I think you know the first kind of five minutes, ten minutes of the game, we saw. Saints with that, you know, emphatically high tempo, the high press, the forwards were getting onto the West Ham United defenders when they're on the ball. We were winning the ball back high up in in their half, and it was really, really exciting. It looked really, really promising. Um, and yet, after about ten minutes, we seemed to run out of steam. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think um, definitely, it looked like the looked like the using the same starting eleven. Um, for the third game on the trot, I was the what the in third game in like ten, eleven days. Yeah, definitely had an impact on the on the performance. You could see they they came out with like with the energy that they did against Arsenal and against West Ham, and I think after about five ten minutes, it just it dissipated in the cold weather and the. And just, I think, yeah, they just looked tired. And so, but so did West Ham, I think, also looked tired. Yeah, and, th- and there was a lot of evidence of tiredness all across the pitch. Um, not only in the fact that our high press died out pretty quickly, um, but also in the fact that players were just giving the ball away all of the time. 
Um, I think, you know, Mario Lamina, uh, for me, he probably gave away the ball almost half the time that he had the ball. Uh, I, I haven't managed to find the stats to kind of corroborate that, but he, he seemed to be kind of running at the exact opposite of the Mario Lamina song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, yeah, in comparison to Hoiberg, who is replacing, I think there's definitely a, a difference in um, pass completion rate. But then I think I think also Lamina does do do a lot to get the ball as well. But I think it's the it's almost the way he gets the ball. Um, it's sort of always quite messy. So it's almost like half the time he makes a tackle, but he doesn't actually finish getting the ball yeah. off the West Ham players. We got closed down quite easily. He's he's quite a hectic player. He's quite unpredictable. And actually, uh, I thought yesterday one of the things that Saints lacked, particularly in midfield, was a player with a little bit more maturity, a little bit more, I don't know, maybe a little bit more in the head, which therefore gives him more time on the ball to actually see things and dictate play. Whereas I think with Lamina, he's got buckets of talent, but it's all kind of quite... um, not so much random, but it's quite instinctive with him. I think, you know, football happens to Lamina and he happens to be quite good at it, whereas Hoiberg is maybe more of a player that can dictate what happens on a football pitch. He can run the show. And and that's what we missed in, in midfield. I don't think Stuart Armstrong is kind of quite that sort of player. He's a great attacking outlet, but he certainly doesn't seem to be the sort of player that control can control the game in the same way that someone like Hoiberg can. Yeah, and I think that's probably where one of the things we were missing going forward was... Um I, f- I feel with the way Hoiberg performs, you can sort of see Danny Ings and Redmond sort of know where Hoiberg's going to be looking to pass the ball and running yeah. into that position. And you didn't really get that feeling, um, get that feeling where, with Lamina, like especially the long bit periods of play where we didn't get the ball into their box. That was sort of the bit where, where we were lacking, was getting that place from midfield into um into into the attacking into attack in the final third yeah and uh, one of the things that i think i probably noticed with um you know probably danny ings and the balls that we're playing into the box is that it's quite evident that danny ings was very very tired he lacked a bit of the pace that we've seen him have um and the West Ham United defence actually looked very strong and very quick in comparison to Danny Ings. So that every time he managed to get the ball in the box, he was always going to be second place to the ball. And, and Target put in a couple of nice searching balls from the left-hand side, you know, the curling ones in. Um, but he, he just was, was never going to quite reach it. And uh, we happened to be sat in the chapel end uh, for this game. So we had West Ham attacking that end for the whole first half. And I've got to admit, I felt like when we went in at halftime, nil-nil, I thought we were pretty fortunate to be in that position. Yeah, definitely. I think there was there was um, two or three shots. One, I think one, I think it was by Lucas, the, the West Ham player who um, who really should have just put the ball away. They just passed him on the penalty spot, and um, and yeah, he should he should have put it away and instead just scuffed it wide. And um, it's similar, and it's a similar position where Arsenal scored their first goal against us. Is that space just um, just around the penalty spot when 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 teams are attacking our box? It seems that our centre backs all pour into the six yard box, leaving that space there, and we we just get 
we have been opened up a lot this season at position. Yeah, I mean, you, you would expect with three in, d- in the centre of defence that maybe you could have two of the defenders on the, in the six-yard box and one person you may mark in the middle of that box. But no doubt that's the space that really is supposed to be filled by someone like Romeo or Lamina coming back and joining the defence at, at those times when we're getting overloaded. Um, having said that, I actually don't think our defence did too badly yesterday. I mean, Vestergaard is starting to look more of a defender than a liability. I thought Yoshida looked particularly accomplished yesterday. He actually seemed to be a kind of a cool head amongst a game where most people seem to be losing their minds, losing the passes, losing the ball, um, and actually seemed to be quite calm, apart from maybe one clearance where he passed it straight to West Ham United attacking midfielder in the... In, in the second half but yeah but I think I think he was in that position I think he was that specific instant I think Andy Carroll had just garroted him during a corner yeah and so he wasn't he was still in a bit of a daze I think I mean do we want to talk about Andy Carroll now before we talk about the goals because I mean he he had a cameo appearance in the game but he managed to achieve quite a lot in, in that short period of time I think he managed to have a fight with Vestergaard um, down in front of the uh, technical areas where they were just kind of kept on prodding each other and yeah. then complaining to the linesman who just wasn't doing anything. They kind of looked like a pair of overgrown teenagers having a little bit of a schoolboy scrap. Um, but I thought, you know, the, the most Andy Carroll thing was for him to headbutt Jan Bednarek, uh, go down clutching his face... Uh, win the free kick and Jan Bednarek to end up with a yellow card. I mean, that yeah. was just astonishing, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I think I think Andy Carroll, like, I mean, he's he's obviously, in his career has obviously lost its way in the football that he plays because I mean, West Ham don't really get him to play, get him on the pitch that often anymore. But when he does now, he seems to perform like, almost like a Mr. Blobby where he, you West Ham send him on and what they don't really know what he's going to do, but they know he's going to smash through a couple of people and just create havoc in the middle of the yeah. pitch. I mean, Is that how Mr. Blobby played football? Because I was uh, unaware of Mr. Blobby's footballing <laughs> prowess. No, it's just what Mr. Blobby does, isn't he? He just, just causes up, chaos. Yeah, turns up, causes chaos, breaks stuff, and everyone just like just it's, it just one questions his existence it's right a, it's it's a crowd pleaser you know let's yeah exactly the, you know southampton don't look up to much they look pretty knackered let's throw on andy carroll for a bit of a laugh kind of is, yeah, is that I what they're doing i think so i think they were just like oh well we don't have many options on the bench andy carroll will make stuff happen. it's like it's like a throwing on a playing like a random card in poker you, you know you don't you don't know what's going to happen but you know something something will happen, will happen and you know it's like flipping a coin someone will win yeah um okay well i mean andy carroll's had had his uh, moment on this podcast first half saints weren't up to much they already looked exhausted before the end of the first half second half started um i wasn't expecting too much from the second half um Certainly, I'd already thrown in my bin in the in the bin the three-two prediction. I just couldn't see it scoring three goals. I was kind of finding it quite hard to see where we're going to get a single goal from. In fact, at, at that point, um, but we did manage it. Yeah, yeah, we did in a rather scrappy manner. In in yeah, probably one of the scrappiest goals of the year. That one with a was it three three deflected scuffed shots, and then the ball was bundled in. 
to into the back of the net where one of three people could have been the person that got the last touch you really cannot tell no but i tell you what we all thought where we were sat i mean we were sat pretty much behind that goal where it went in and the tv cameras didn't pick it up but a lot of a couple of the West Ham players were really complaining about this goal. And the reason is because we all saw Redmond basically push it in with his arm, didn't we? Yeah, I think <laughs> that's why I, that's why I turned to so that looked like a handball. Yeah. And I sort of, it was one of those goals where you sort of like... You're looking you around, wait, not, you not wait, sure if you're going to celebrate you know, I, or not. I, I can't celebrate this one yet because I don't think... Is that is that going to be out? You, know, you, look at the, you look around the referee, the linesman everywhere and you're like okay yeah it is a goal even at the players because the players didn't look like didn't look immediately like they were convinced it was a goal no. either well i think they might have thought thought it was an offside but actually we, we've watched back the replay and it definitely wasn't offside but um you know it was so scrappy the way the ball went into the goal that even if redmond did handle it um which we think he probably did i don't know if you could say it was intentional i mean he just lobbed his body at the ball in the hope that some part of it would hit it and the momentum would carry the ball into the net. And yeah, I mean, the ball was already going into the goal when when his hand made contact with the ball. And, and like, you know, as as we were saying, I'd, we've just tried to watch back the highlights and see what see what the TV version says. And you, it's, you yeah, from, from about five or six different angles, it doesn't become any clearer, does no, it? No, which is probably why it hasn't, hasn't been discussed by any of the commentators either. Um, so anyway, quite lucky to get that lead. Didn't last very long, though, did it? No, classic, um, classic Southampton. We don't like really. Leeds, do we? No, <laughs> no, we don't. Um, so yeah, I think I think to, uh, yesterday was was one of those games where you think, okay, Arsenal three two, we played really well. We were probably quite lucky. It's just that our, our chance, the chance we created, created goals, and then Huddersfield. 3-1 convincing victory and you're like well that's because Huddersfield really performed like one yeah, of the worst teams in the league and which which they are which the they moment. are yeah and um and then West Ham you come across who are who are competent and they've got good players and and they've been on a pretty good run I mean until the 2-0 loss at Watford um earlier this week they'd won four games on the bounce hadn't they so yeah you know that's that, that's quite convincing form yeah, yeah, I think so, and and I think they're sort of, perf- like, yeah, sort of unconvincing mid-table team. Like, some t- you never know what you're going to get with them. Sometimes you'll get a complete and utter mess, and sometimes you'll get a a very convincing team. I think we got somewhere between the two, where we got um for per- long periods a bit of a mess, and then for the periods when they scored the goals, a, a very strong convincing team that like really went out there and won the game yeah and (laughs) you know I I look at West Ham and I think the current Saints squad are capable of being where West Ham are in the table you know quite easily capable of of being there and it was quite an even game and the difference was Anderson Uh, except the difference between West Ham and Southampton is Southampton will never pay forty million pounds more, or you know that yeah. that sort of price for a player. However, we do then do much better at West Ham at kind of picking, you know, unproven players and then them them coming good. But yeah. I mean, Anderson was he he was great yesterday. He was really good, and he didn't look knackered like the rest of the players on the pitch. I'm not sure why that is. I don't know what his game time has been like for West Ham. I haven't been following them particularly closely this season. 
but he looked really good. He looked really strong. He looked composed on the ball. That strike for his first goal, the equaliser, which came, what, two and a half minutes after Saints got into the lead, was really wonderful. And, you know, I've seen McCarthy come in for some criticism. Is that fair? Is that unfair? Um, I don't really think it it is fair. In those those two goals that that, um, Anderson scored... And the first one was just like a, a screamer from outside the box. I think you could criticise the defenders for not getting closer to him because I think I think that's probably what we did in the first half is we got we closed him down and so he didn't actually have a shot and so he didn't didn't um, create create any problems for us. But um, but then uh, in the in the in the second half, um, both goals he found himself with a lot of space and. Um, and put them away, and I think especially the second goal. I mean, it was four against one. Jan Valerie can't really do anything about that apart from close down the guy with the ball, and and that leaves the other three players open to to attack, and and that sort of that happened. They played a good pass, and they got themselves in a in a position where you you expect any football player to score that score from there. Yeah, abso- absolutely. Um, with that second goal. Uh, I mean, we heard a, a very few brief moments on the kind of radio phone-in on BBC Five Live afterwards, and someone had messaged in saying, you know, that's absolutely atrocious defending. How can you leave only one person back? But, you know, we Saints were trying to be positive at the time. They were looking to get yeah, we uh, were looking to, to, to win to the take game. the lead again and win the game. And we had lots of players committed forward. Um, and I think this really is where the tiredness kind of caught up with us because the the players, when they were chasing back, weren't quick enough. I also think maybe we followed the ball a bit too much. You know, no one kind of chased Anderson specifically, th- seeing him being the obvious person that the ball was going to go to, which, I mean, from our position behind the goal, we could see that whole whole move forming and it's quite clear what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, is that bad defending? Is that a bit of naivety? Naivety? Is it just lacking a bit of fitness? Lacking, you know, that that speed when it when it came to dealing with that counter attack? Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, it was. I think it was a bit of. We were. I don't know. We we. I think we were set up positionally. I'm sure. Passenhout will bring that. Bring the positions of the players up in front of them today or tomorrow when they're back in the training ground and, and set, like point out where a couple of people probably were out of position because it looked like everyone was in the box mm. and and there weren't the, the odd player lurking outside the box that could still defend if the ball was cleared. And I think that's where we, we, we fell short. But I think defensively as a whole, I think there's still quite a lot of work to do for Hassan Huta. I think we've... You know, he tried to play four at the back and that clearly didn't work against Cardiff. And we're now playing five at the back and we're we're still conceding goals and we're still con- like calm. Um, and in the last two games, okay, those goals haven't been humiliating uh errors. In the same way that <laughs> in most the, of the, in goals the same that way that conceded. the rest of the season has been. Yeah. But but they're still they're still they're still goals and yeah. we're still not cl- keeping clean sheets, so I mean, hopefully we'll see that defensive improvement over the course of, I'll say the next few games because maybe in the next five or six games as we've got Man City and Chelsea next. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, 
it's funny yesterday when I look at look back at that game and I think really the area that we lost the game was the midfield. I think we gave the ball away too much. We weren't quite as purposeful as we should have been in the attack. Um, you know, Redmond was doing well again, but quite a lot of things that he tried didn't come off. I mean, but that's, you know, quite typical of the sort of player Redmond is. He's the kind of player that tries stuff. Yeah. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Lamina was a bit too frenetic for me, not calm enough on, on the ball. Armstrong didn't quite get into the game enough. Danny Ings was a little bit knackered. When Shane Long came on, he looked promising, but, you know, got the final ball wrong on a couple of occasions. Matt Target's crossing was pretty hit and miss. He had some really good ones in the first half, some pretty poor ones in the second yeah. half. Yeah, and Valerie, I didn't think it did too badly. I saw he got quite a lot of stick on Twitter, but um, you know, I'm not totally sure why he's been you know, pulled out for, by the Saints fans. So, did you notice anything with Valerie? No, I, th- I think he's, 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 what, four, five games into his Southampton career at the moment, and he's, he's young, and he's obviously talented, and he's, he's doing... He's doing as you'd expect for a, for a young player to, you know, you can't expect them to not make mistakes. However, we haven't conceded a single goal where it's a header at the back post because someone's a half a foot taller than him yet. So, so he does have that benefit over Cedric Suarez, and I think he is he's very good going forward. Yeah, I mean, he, he I think he was he's probably a little bit found out defensively, but yeah. I think that's why we're playing three centre backs and say so that he has that support. Yeah, and uh, and actually having watched Hassan Hootel Southampton in the flesh for the first time, it's clear that it's not so much a five. Um, you know, five, what, two, three, but more of a, a three... A three, four... A three, four, three, I suppose. Three, four, two, two. Or a three, four, one, three, two. Yeah, yeah something three, four, like one, that. Three, four, one, two. Um, so, you know, Valerie and Target are being very much used as wingers more yeah. more than more than they are as defenders. Um, so, I mean, West Ham game, pretty disappointing. I think it was more to do with tiredness than it was to do with any kind of major tactical failings or, you know, really kind of like standout individual errors or, or poor performances. Um, I don't think this bodes particularly well for having Manchester City uh, this weekend because I'm guessing that Manchester City's players are going to be fitter and stronger than the Southampton players. And, uh, and judging from what I've heard, you know, about Mark Hughes' level of training that happened on the training ground, I think our players are going to struggle with their fitness this season until Hassan Hootel really brings them up to speed. Yeah, I think so. I think um, we've really got to hope we we create 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 a goal very quickly. Um, otherwise, we're otherwise we're, we're going to be we're going to get found out. I I just can't see us um, holding off them, holding them off for for ninety minutes. But um, but you never know. Um, they have been found out twice in the last week, so maybe maybe third third time lucky. Th- no, no, the other way around. Well, for Man City, that would be a third. Maybe loss we'll get a hat hat trick of um hat trick of of them them of of Man City. Yeah, losses. I mean, I don't think any Crystal Palace fans were going into the game against Man City expecting them to get a victory at the Etihad. I doubt there were that many Leicester fans really expecting them to beat Man City. I'm certainly not expecting us to beat Manchester City um, and I would be very, very, very surprised if we do. But, you know, strange things happen in football. I think the thing with Leicester, um, the game when I watched the highlights, they had Man City on the ropes for quite long periods in that second half. It was very, very impressive. Madison, 
you know, I'm gutted that we missed out on him and he chose Leicester. Yeah. But I mean, you can't really argue with his decision. He's clearly made the right choice in terms of you know what it's done for for his career. He's performed fantastically well, and Leicester City still have some really really good players. Whereas Southampton are we're very much playing catch up at the moment with with Harson Hootel just coming in mid season. Yeah, I think so. But I, th- I think we've we're now in a position where we've got to the players have to look at themselves and go, okay, we we've shown that we can play well. We've shown that we can beat teams now. What are we going to do? Are we going to are we going to aim to just stay out of the relegation zone and perform like that, or are we going to aim to do what West Ham are doing at the moment, where they they looked very poor at the start of the season and then got going and have moved started moving up the table or or like what Everton did last season when they started pulling again kicked on mm. and I think this is where the Southampton players really have to go is like well we can we've shown we can put these performances we need to go out every week and and try and win the game and we, we look like we we can win games now yeah even if it's even if Man City might be a step too far and we've got you know we've got a huge huge um, area to improve in comparison to the game at the Etihad. Yeah. We certainly, you know, they, they can at least go out there and show that they're not going to get torn apart by a, by a better side. They no. make it difficult for them. Well, we, we certainly hope so anyway. Um, one of the things I want to mention is like Tom Parker's been banging on all season about, you know, once Redmond gets a goal, then more will go in for him. You know, he got a good goal against Huddersfield. He got a very, very scrappy goal against West Ham at St. Mary's. Um, he did very well against Manchester City a couple of seasons ago. And then also he had that odd kind of exchange with Pep Guardiola. Yeah. Are we going to see Redmond get his third goal in three games against Man City? I hope so. I think if we don't see it um, at the weekend, I think we'll see it soon. Because I, I think from the start of the season, he's looked like a completely different player. I mean, mm. we've talked about how he's he apparently looked... It looks like he looked at the way he played last season and wasn't happy with it, and then went off in the summer, and um and and started and improved came back better, and he looks like a better player. He looks so much more committed, and I think it was it was almost a matter of time throughout the season that that things were going to click and he was going to start getting the goals and the assists that we all sort of expect him to get. Yeah. And good on him because that it just shows that um, you know hard work gets you the results that you well, I mean, deserve. I mean, absolutely. I mean, he he was still going to take home the same salary regardless of whether he went away and spent all summer working on his game or not. And you know, you've got to say, you've got to look at Nathan Redmond and say that is your model professional football player. Um, in the fact that he spotted something wrong with his game, he's gone away, he's tried to improve it, and now it's starting to pay off for him. Um, you know, I, I hope that we can kind of continue a bit of this momentum that we started under Harsen Hootel. Uh, I think the next Manchester City and Chelsea game is going to be really, you know, very, very tough for us to get a- any points out of those two games. You know, maybe we can maybe we can a- do something. But really, it's the whole rest of the season that um, that we've got to look, look towards. And I think the fitness levels will improve uh, under Harsen Hootel. I mean, the games do come thick and fast, but players will get better they will get stronger um and if we continue to support the team and back the team and you know i think the players have got more belief in themselves so 
we are kind of where we are. We're out of the relegation zone, which I didn't think we would be at this point of the, yeah. in the season. And, you know, I, I think really the only way for Saints is up. I, I don't expect us to be kind of falling back into that zone anytime soon. I think we'll kind of kick on towards, you know, the lower half of the mid-table. Yeah, I think there'll definitely be um, parallels with, I think this season, it, it's looking like there'll be parallels with our, our first season in the Premier League mm. when we returned um, under Nigel Adkins, where we we were from from the outset in a relegation battle and then Portuccino came in. But, and although I think with, in that first season, Pochettino came in and you saw the change on the pitch, mm. but you didn't actually see the change in the points that quickly. Although we did, we did eventually creep out. We still weren't getting getting the performances that we got in the next season. We still yeah. weren't beating the the lesser team or the the teams that we you know, those, ought those, to be. Yeah, we ought to be. I think there's about fourteen teams in this league or thirteen teams in this league that we we go out and we think, well, we, we can beat this team. I, mean, I don't yeah. think you can expect to beat them all the time, but you expect yeah. to be able to... I don't think West Ham United is one of those teams. I think if Arsene Hootel is still our manager next season, if we're still in the Premier League next season, which I expect you know, both of those statements to be true next season, I would hope that it would be quite a good comparison you know, to see yeah. what, how, how do we compete against West Ham United where we look tired, we gave the ball away. You know, right at the start of his reign. Let's see where we are next season under you know similar sort of opposition. Uh, and I think I'm expecting an improvement. I'm still yeah, feeling yeah. positive. There was a lot of negative comments in in the crowd yesterday. It was, uh, there was a, there was a couple of people sat around me which were m- making lots of grumbling. There was a guy in front of me who was almost seeming like he was willing Saints to get beaten and to lose. And he. I don't know whether maybe it was related to Mark Hughes or an <laughs> old friend of Mark Hughes, but I just couldn't believe that some of the stuff that he was coming out with. And, and it's odd to hear that in St. Mary's, having you know had two back-to-back victories before then. I mean, maybe he's a person who doesn't go that regularly. And he's yeah, maybe he hasn't watched either of the games. Yeah, because um, I think if you'd only read about it, you hadn't watched the highlights or watched the games you know, live, you, you might have been a bit miffed as yes- at yesterday's yeah. performance. Um, anyway, I don't know. Do you have any more points to make, James, before we this wrap this one up? Um, not really. Not about the game. I, I, I mean, on the whole, I'm very happy. I think it's the first podcast I've been on since Hassan Hutel's come in. Yeah. And yeah, I'm really happy with him. I think he's going to be excellent. Um, maybe, maybe we are a bit early, you know, to to see how good he's going to be, and a bit early to say, oh, we're not in a relegation battle anymore because we we definitely still are until the points are on the board. Yeah, but but the performances are showing we we look like a team that can win games. We we did at points against West Ham look like the team that could win the game. Yeah, and um and certainly we're not. They don't they don't look like a bunch of players that are looking or even a manager looking for excuses, which I found. Yeah, Mark Hughes did. That's yeah, quite promising to see. Um, also want to say uh, hello to Paul. He said introduced himself in the stadium at, at full time yesterday. Uh, so hello, Paul. And I suppose, really, that's it from us. If you want to get in contact, we're on Twitter at Podcast or also yeah. Podcast at gmail.com. You can also put comments on the YouTube channel on the Ugly Inside where the podcast videos go up. So thank you very much for listening. I hope you've all had a wonderful Christmas. 
Um, let's hope for a bit of a minor footballing miracle um, at the weekend against Manchester City. Yeah. Cheerio, everyone. Bye-bye.